I am not what I think I am, and I am not what you think I am, but I am what I think you think I am," said Charles Cooley. Now meditate on that for a second. Do you really think you are what you truly are, or are you something like what the society wants you to be, or things like others, other people in your life, Hollywood? Or Instagram is kind of shaping what you really are and how you show up in the world. Looking into this can open up doorways of self-realization for most of us, and this is why today I have someone very special to talk to you about some things where you can open up this doorway and understand yourselves better, or maybe just raise a hand to join a community of people to guide you in being one of the best versions of yourself. My guest on the show today. Has had many roles in his life, which includes being a DJ, writer,、um, a singer, a producer, a musician, a CEO, and now the founding partner of the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery. Dylan Olson, welcome to the show. Thank you, CJ. I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to have you on the show today, and I've been looking forward、uh, to our chat for a long time now. Now. You've done so many things. Talk to me about your background and tell me how does a writer singer start an academy of self mastery?、Um, <clears throat> thank you for asking.、Uh, you know, it's honestly the the academy of self mastery was a very it, it was synchronicity at its best. So I.、Um, You know, I, I started DJing and getting into production when I was. I'm I'm 29. I turned 30 this year, so about 10 years ago, I was 19, and、uh, and just was doing it from my laptop in my dorm room in college, and started making like really weird trance music, and、uh, and then started getting into、uh, you know、uh, EDM events and doing those kinds of things, and. Uh, and so over, and then I really got in. I was in a band,、um, started writing when I was like professionally at like twenty five, twenty six, where I was a freelancer. And、mm. um, but the whole time, I really struggled with、uh, drug and alcohol addiction, and、uh, and it was a really my twenties were just they were it was rife with just this very. Dark sense of self-loathing and self-inadequacy, and、um, wanting to fill that void and escape myself. And about two years ago,、uh, almost two years ago, I experienced.、Uh, you know, I've had many awakenings. I call them.、Uh, I, I actually just finished a chapter in a book that's going to be published later this year, and、uh, my chapter is called "Being Is the Nature of Becoming." And and in this chapter, I talk about what I call the threshold of uncertainty, and、um, the threshold of uncertainty is basically、um, how I describe it is when the pain of what you're currently experiencing surpasses the fear of the unknown, and usually when that threshold is crossed, that's when we will decide to change, and that's when we will、um, allow, or rather, allow and surrender to source, surrender to ourselves, surrender to. Um, our calling and our purpose and、uh, love to allow ourselves to transform, and、uh, so I've experienced that point a few times.、Um, but then it was this kind of 
the shifting between revelation and revisitation, which I think is how many of us, our process of transformation and growth occurs. You know, we, we realize something, we learn new information, and then we might take it back to something we knew to apply it, or we, we revisit this old situation or old pattern with a new lens. And it's never the same that we experienced it in the way before. Um, and so I, I actually, I, I got a DUI and, uh, mm -hmm. it, um, at first it didn't, you know, I was in the victim mindset. Oh, you know, cops fucked mm -hmm. me, you know, like doing that. Everything's stuff. happening to me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, uh, but then there was just this click where it was, you know, I, once I admitted that I had created it, like it wasn't anybody else's fault. No one else shoved liquor down my throat and told me to get behind the wheel of a car. That was my doing. And, mm -hmm. um, and funny enough, I actually asked for it in a roundabout way where I was, uh, I was driving one day cause I DJed at a bar. So I actually got, I got a DUI leaving the bar that I was DJing at. And, uh, but I was on my way there one day, I was talking to the universe and I was like, I don't want to continue to live this way, but I'm too much of a bitch to change it, <laughs> to choose something different. I was like, just do something for me. And the universe is like, okay, here you go. <laughs> and, uh, and it took me like a month to realize that. And it, uh, but once I admitted that it was me, I accepted that it was me that created it. That's when I became the solution. And so when mm -hmm. that happened, I, um, I just kind of removed myself. I removed myself from my idea of myself. I allowed myself to just relinquish and shed all those things that I held true about myself that weren't true. They were just ideas. Mm -hmm. They were just, and many of them too were subconscious false beliefs, um, mm -hmm. you know, that we are instilled in those formative years. And uh, so I really started doing the inner work. Um, you know, I changed my lifestyle. I changed my eating habits. I got sober. I started working out regularly. I uh, started getting really good sleep. I was reading every day, meditating every day. And so when I changed my value system and I changed my lifestyle, it just transformed everything. Uh, you know, I had more clarity. I had more energy. My creativity was even better. Um, and so then about, you know, a year, less than a year into that, I received, um, I received a, a message from an old friend, Lisa, and uh, she had been the MC at a spiritual expo that I had been a keynote speaker at two or three years before and mm -hmm. um, here in Boise. And she reached out to me just telling me of this opportunity to be a part of this new platform that was being built. And, um, again, this was something that I had asked for because I was, I had actually been talking to my mother a little bit before. And I was like, man, you know, I want, like, I want to do my music, but mm -hmm. that's not entirely it. That's not entirely my purpose. That's, that's a big piece, but that's not everything. And I was like, and then I really want to help people, but I don't necessarily want to go back to school and get a psychology degree. Um, but then I've also been, you know, over the past few years, I've been really cultivating um, my men's work. So there was this, uh, I was like, but it, there's something there. I just don't know what, it, can't put my finger on it. And then this opportunity presented itself. And I got invited as a founding faculty member um, to teach uh, my, my authentic masculine work. 
but rapidly I, uh, you know, being a writer, I was like, well, I can write press releases. I'd love to just, you know, help out with this. So I started writing uh, press releases for the Academy pro bono. It was just like, yeah, I just, I want to help. And, um, and then I got a seat on the board of directors, uh, soon after that, which, uh, is now we refer to it as the council board of directors was a little old world for us. We're and so in the, mm-hmm. we like council. Uh, and now <clears throat> I moved from that to being, um, from being a founding faculty to being on the board of directors to now I'm one of the primary partners in the council. And, um, and so I, I work basically I'm me and I, Aisha Hogan is the, the founder and visionary. And so her and I work, uh, you know, every single day on the site, uh, working with faculty, uh, uploading courses right now, we're doing a lot of reworking. We're actually preparing for our, uh, relaunch, um, next month or it's in June, the end of June, we'll be doing it for our summer solstice launch. Uh, and yeah, it's just been incredible. Yeah, that's been an incredible and a fast journey, I must say, like rising yeah. up all those positions after having that kind of realization. And one of the things that caught my attention when you described your beautiful story is that it, up to the point where you did not take either a responsibility where you didn't hold yourself like said, hey, this is all happening because of me and I am responsible and I am accountable, things didn't start to shift for you. And when you look at people all around the world, a lot of people are in either denial or are escaping their reality, saying that this is X, Y, Z, whatever the situation is, has happened because of, you know, my grandfather, my girlfriend, the the guy who bullied me at school. And I must agree that some part of that story is correct because all of those things, like you mentioned, the subconscious programming that we're exposed to at an earlier part of our life, and all these things do make a difference. But talk to me why taking ownership or responsibility makes such a big difference. Ooh, that is a fantastic question. Uh, You know, in my experience, because I was... I mean, I was an escape artist for so long in my life. Like I was like Houdini, you know, I, I did not, I did not want to be with myself. I did not love myself. Um, May I ask why? Yes, absolutely. So I, um, my, my, it, it was all in my early childhood years. I mean, my, so my dad, uh, committed suicide when I was six. And then mm-hmm. a year after that, I experienced, um, uh, molestation. Uh, from these other, these older boys who lived down the street. They were, I guess, friends, neighbor friends of mine, um, but they were molested. So they ended up, it kind of ended up being this telephone game of molestation mm-hmm. uh, that kind of just came out into our, our neighborhood. And, um, and so, so at a very young age, I mean, at the age of seven, I experienced, you know, every cardinal fear, every fear and deep seated false belief about myself that I could, like there was shame and guilt, which I mean, I hardly understood what those were because I was still an innocent child, but shame Mm -hmm. and guilt, uh, abandonment, rejection, uh, just in this immense sense of fear. And I just shut myself off. Like I, I determined that it was unsafe for me to, to be myself and to express myself and love myself. 
And so I closed up shop and, Mm -hmm. um, so I never felt at home in myself. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And, uh, and so it started off with like video games, you know, like I would, that's how I would escape. I'm like, Ooh, video Mm -hmm. games. Okay. And then, you know, all of a sudden puberty hits and now I'm, you know, uh, escaping and in pornography and video games. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I, um, and I grew up Christian as well. So there was, and that was of my own accord. I would go to church. Um, but Mm -hmm. that instilled an even deeper sense of fear in me, uh, fear Mm -hmm. of not being good enough in the eyes of God, fear of not, uh, being accepted within this closed community, this not closed, but this, this community. And, uh, and then, you know, eight, 18, 19 rolls around and that's when I discovered drugs and alcohol. And, um, so I, since I didn't, and I would say that the two, the, like some of the biggest false beliefs that were instilled in me in those formative years were I'm undeserving of love. Um, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough, which is, these are false beliefs mm-hmm. that so many of us have. And, uh, and I just, since I was always operating out of those beliefs. I mean, I sabotaged like every relationship I would get into. Um, I didn't take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. I was just, since I didn't believe I was deserving of love, I always behaved in a way that I perceived as undeserving of love. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I operated out of that for a long time And, uh, even when I started doing the work, you know, even now, you know, I'll still notice things pop up in, you know, whether they're a thought or it's a, an emotional pattern, you know, noticing those things come up, rise to the surface, except that now I have a lot more compassion for myself and a lot more love and understanding for myself. So when those things pop up, it's no longer like, I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. I'll notice it. I'll experience it. I'll give it the space to be there, but it doesn't define me. It doesn't mean like, I know it's not me. Uh, Whereas Mm -hmm. in the past that stuff would come up and I would just let it take the wheel. And when it would take the wheel, that's when I'd go on, you know, a cocaine, heroin, booze bender for two weeks and, Mm -hmm. you know, not sleep, not eat. And then, you know, I'd basically, you know, lose my jobs and I would, uh, you know, go fuck a bunch of people and, you know, just to be an absolute wreck. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, you know, then I would feel guilty and ashamed. So then I'd be down and out for another month or two. (laughs) And it was just going down the rabbit hole again. Oh yeah. And I would do, you know, this was a, this was just this cycle I found myself in. And once, uh, you know, I, it was a, a lot of radical self-honesty is really what, pulled me out is when I, when I admitted that I was believing in my own lies, that I was believing in my own bullshit. I was the one doing this. Once I did that, I couldn't feel sorry for myself. I couldn't make excuses. It wasn't like, Oh, well, it was just like, shit, I did all this. There's nobody else. Like I chose this. I created these circumstances. No one else created these circumstances for me. Like this was my choosing. And, um, and so once I realized that and not only just realized, cause we can realize things and not do anything about it. Um, but once I realized it and I took action on it, that was when 
things really started to change. And, um, and then I just grew to love myself more. And, you know, even in, you know, now when I have days that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, there's always days where we struggle a little bit and we're human. And uh, I tend to forget that. I t- I'll be like, why am I having this experience? And my my partner, she'll actually have to be like, you are human. This is okay. I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, even on, even on those days, it's still... I still allow myself to, to be human. And whereas in the past, I wouldn't, it would be like, I should be a lot more perfect than this, or I'm not even deserving of this, this good stuff. Mm. I have. Man, your story is incredible. And, um, one of the, and I really thank you for sharing this on the platform because your story has so many different components to it, which a lot of people, um, in today's world can relate to, right? A lot of us have been looking down on ourselves. A lot of, the times our families have been looking down on us or our teachers have been looking down on us or we have had this point where we had to escape the world or it's just so multifactorial. And it is really unfortunate that now with the whole science and technology, we understand that physical abuse to a child can be somewhat damaging to their brain. But then there is also the non-physical components to it, right? And one of the things that I normally see around is like, if you talk to a parent, a teacher, advisor, they will, uh, if you're being physically abused, chances are that people are going to have a very different approach than from what you have been like non-physically abused, like let's say sexually abused or psychologically abused. Um, People tend to often have this thing saying that, oh, get over it. But that doesn't really work because we know from evidence that children who have these kind of issues will go up and grow up and have some kind of psychiatric problems. You mentioned that you were going through shame and guilt, but there are so many more complex emotions that could come in. There could be anger. There could um, You could move on to some other things like anxiety, depression, um, in extreme cases, suicides, PTSDs, and even like aggression can be a part of it. And now when I'm thinking about uh, some of these people who have been researched on on uh, things like dissociative personality disorders would also have a certain childhood which is a bit similar to this now thank you for sharing that story because and i want everyone who's listening right now to have that positive approach have that positive mindset like dylan's you get into shit and then you've got to figure it out and you have to come out of it and it's not like it's if you want to stay there for all your life, then it's your choice. But you know that you're the only one who's responsible and no one's. I mean, if you're lucky and this does happen, there will be some angel will come and save you. But most of the times you have to take the first step. Now, what we talk about, we're talking about so many things about the world. And then let's talk about stereotypes, right? Now, we always pay attention to stereotypes when it comes to race, to culture, to color, but we hardly pay any attention to gender-specific stereotyping. Now, women have a lot of stereotyping, but also, funnily, funnily enough, men have a lot of stereotyping as well. Now, I found a study that said, like, if a man was, was working in an office and was extremely stressed and probably cried at work, they would have like people would interpret that as the man being weak when you compare it to the woman, right? And this is a type of stereotyping. I mean, 
a lot of or maybe one third almost one third of the guys have been taught to stay strong and be a man and suck it up but then all of these things kind of backfire in a certain way and i know that you've been doing a lot of work with the authentic brotherhood so tell us about what the authentic brotherhood is and tell us why do we still live in this world where we're trying to pretend to be something which probably you know our ancestors told us to be mm yeah thank you uh you know it's so the authentic brotherhood is uh basically it's my that's like my freebie uh that's my um my free little nugget uh mm-hmm. and it's um but it started uh i started the authentic brotherhood as the it, it's an, it was initially the authentic masculine that was my that's like my flagship program but then i was mm-hmm. like i want something uh you know i want the authentic masculine to be be my program and the authentic brotherhood is going to be kind of my stepping stone for people. And um, so the authentic brotherhood is um, basically my answer to a question. Uh, and that question is, um, is there a better way for men to be men? Uh, and what does that way look like? Because, um, you know, and I really noticed it about, I, I first I was inspired to do it because I didn't grow up with a solid father figure, a solid male mm-hmm. role model in my life. And all the men that were in my life, um, unfortunately, weren't that good of role models. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't their fault. It's not like they're out to just be malicious dudes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like we're, we're almost handed this playbook that was written for, you know, a game that no one even plays anymore. It'd be like, yeah, it, oh man, I don't even have a good analogy right now, but it's, uh, you know, they we get this handed this playbook that's so archaic and it's so old school and mm-hmm. it's not even, it's not even real. You know, we're socialized at a, at a young age as, as boys to not only not as- express emotions, but we shouldn't have them to begin with. And, but then we're told that the emotions that are okay are basically being angry and being horny and, you know, still being happy that, you know, hangry, yeah. horny, and happy. We could, you know, there, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the boys will be boys. And it's like, mm-hmm. since when is violence just in our innate nature? Like I didn't, mm-hmm. none of it made sense to me for a very long time. And, um, and so I really, uh, I actually, I did a, a men's workshop uh, and, and course about seven or eight years ago, and it was called the New Masculine Program. And it really, um, I mean, it was shadow work. We did like diving into our lineages, diving, it was a lot of uh, work with our ancestry, um, mm-hmm. diving into our sexuality, uh, our beliefs, um, relationships, and it was a just so in depth and it was so illuminating. And, and then I would look around, I would look around at the other men in my life, my friends, um, my brothers, my, you know, father figures, just strangers. And I would just see the way that, you know, in the past where I would be like, dude, this guy's just, you know, he's just being a, an ape. And then, but then as I started doing this work and I really started looking I would see that, you know, they're not, 
you can see pain in their eyes. You see that they don't feel like they can feel it fully express themselves. Maybe they don't even know how to. They don't have the language. Men don't have the language to say, this is how I feel, or even just to show up and hold space and listen and be like, hey, I hear you. I see you. You're held. You're safe. And allowing themselves to be held and be safe. Allowing themselves to let down those walls, let down those false barriers. And, uh, and I could just see it, you know, in so many men in my life, uh, just kind of that silent cry for help. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not asking for help, but their their behaviors and actions, and he's simply just the look in their eyes. So you can, it's a silent cry for help. And um, and not only that, but women, women, you know, when I tell women about the work I do, or they ask about the work I do, and I tell them, they're like, "Oh my God, I have the perf, I have so many guys that need to take this," and I'm like. I hear mm-hmm. you and that's great, but unfortunately it doesn't work unless the man chooses it for himself, which goes to, that's, you know, both for men and women, mm-hmm. when it comes to doing the inner work, it doesn't work unless you choose it for yourself. You have to want it. You have to want to let go. You have to want to step into the unknown. And like so, you said earlier, sorry. Yeah. Oh Go no, on. no, you're good. Yeah. And, uh, and so what I do in the authentic brotherhood is, I mean, it's a men's group. So what we do and, you know, so it's not therapy. It's not uh, anything like that. It's, it's men coming together. We do it virtually. So we meet uh, and, you know, we check in and checking in is basically where we close the container. Uh, this is a very common mm-hmm. thing with any kind of group. You know, we, we check in with where we're at. Maybe, we, you know, we even talk about the emotions and where we're feeling them in the body and uh, struggles, wins, victories, defeats. We share these things. We create this vulnerable space and we close the container. And once that container is closed, that's where then we, um, we really dive into just sharing ourselves and sharing our experience and allowing ourselves to step into not only being sensitive and being Mm -hmm. gentle. Uh, you know, it's honestly, it's, we step into being like water, you know, like Bruce Lee says, be like water, my friend, you know, water can flow or it can crash. And I feel like that's very much, it's not just, it's very much about, that's how we are as humans. But, you know, let's take it into the masculine aspect. Men can be gentle. They can be flowing. Uh, They can be in tune with their feminine side with that, you know, because it's all about balance. We all have feminine and masculine polarity. Mm -hmm. So a man can totally like, there's times where, you know, if a man gets on the dance floor and he's all of a sudden moving his hips and he's popping, you know, doing that. Now he's, he's more in tune with his feminine side, but then you can get a man talking about his, you know, and then a man's getting into his business. Well, he m- might very well step over into that masculine polarity. And now he's going to be more assertive. He's going to be more like the crashing water instead of the flowing stream. He's going to be like those crashing tides. And so really this group, the authentic brotherhood assists men in stepping into being like water in within themselves and being okay, like having a deeper understanding of the self and a deeper acceptance of themselves so that they can see that every part of themselves serves them, their, their masculine whole, their man self, and it all has a place. Um, and they can love themselves for that and accept themselves in that. And then, uh, but then what I do is, cause this is, you know, very common with a lot of men's work, but I also like the authentic brotherhood to be based around solutions not just mm-hmm. solutions like there's problems and we're going to fix them, but um, 
you know, no, not dwelling. We're not good. I don't, you know, I don't like dwelling, uh, you know, where, where you just get caught in a loop. It's like, Hey, if we got something that is bugging us, let's bring it out in the open. Let's mm-hmm. rectify it with awareness and let's take some action to create something new. And so that is really what, and we, and we all do that for each other in the authentic brotherhood. That's what it's all about is all of us showing up intimate, intimate connection with men, men being brothers with each other and holding each other accountable, holding space for each other and creating new possibilities by just opening up the floodgates, opening up awareness. Well, that is super impressive. I mean, I wish more people thought like you and more people, um, especially after listening to this, if you're listening and you're in the audience, then you know that being a man is just more than, like Dylan said, crushing a business deal or doing something else. It's a balance of both. We live in a world with duality or polarity, and the more we get in touch with our um, feminine side or masculine side, the yin, the yang, the better it is for us and the better we can show up in the world. And when I think of it, it's also very important because like you said, Dylan, all of these rules and regulations were, they're old school and they're from the times that, you know, men just because of their physiological attributes were given certain rules. But now we live in um, like a, in like an era, which is like a post-movement era, let's say. So most of the world is now working through smartphones and you don't need people to like pull things, rat things, <laughs> walk so many miles, right? Because yeah. that is that is why I think it doesn't make sense. And then also we, I believe that we should work on this together collaboratively as a whole society. Because again, we're talking about, you know, things like, being equal and things like that. But reality is like, we are far, far away from reaching equality. Like I saw a report published by the Economic Forum of Gender Gap, and that says we're somewhere around 200 years from experiencing something like wow. that. And and yeah, it, it's shocking because you see everything that's happening in the world. You see the amount of like, even in women empowerment, the movement that's going on and how many people have been treated equal. It, that number is surprising. And again, if you're listening to the show and you're like, okay, you know what? I can't give up on being a man all the time. And if you wanted to ride on the traditional masculinity wave, then let me tell you, there are also chances. If it doesn't really come from you naturally, there's also a very high likelihood that you will get into some kind of cardiovascular disease, engage in some kind of heavy drinking, or in extreme cases, even commit suicide so watch out everyone think about what you're getting yourself into think about how the world is right now and be nice be who you truly are meant to be and be nice to yourself exactly be compassionate be nice like you mentioned earlier now compassion when i think of like these words compassion and um having these emotions and things like that. Like, let me give you a story. When I was in university, I really didn't know which career path I wanted to follow. And I was guided very, I had a very minimalistic guidance of what I wanted to do. One thing that I knew in my head was like, whatever I do, I hope it be financially rewarding. So then I looked into finance as an option, but then 
I thought if you could deal with money, chances are you'd probably make a lot of it. But then I was really bad at math, so I threw that option away. The next big thing around in my environment at that time was marketing and advertising. So I studied that for about four years. Then I went on to do a lot of marketing and advertising roles. And there is where I understood the power of influencing people with what we put in front of them, right? And how much of an impact mm. it has. When I was going through the IMUSM website, one of the first words that was hit me were things like support, um, heart-centered facility, uh, reconnection with your deeper self, connection, meaning, love. And when I read things like this in the beginning, the marketer in me says that all of these words are used to target the emotional component of people that are landing on that website. But I know that's not it. And my heart says there's more to this. But tell me why do people really connect with words like security, connection, meaning, love, all these positive frequencies that we see? Are, are people in the world missing these and that's why they want to get more of it? Like, what's your, what's your take on it? Ooh, that is a marvelous question. Uh, and you know, I we are we are at the beginning or rather i mean it's been it began a, a probably back from, i've actually read in some books that it actually the big shift happened in uh, 2012 you know we all thought it was mm -hmm. the end of the world which in mm -hmm. which vibrationally it was 2012 was the the vibrational that at the end of that um world vibration and we started entering into um you know 4d and 5d making that transition. And, um, and so these, but I think with those words, you know, compassion, connection, empowerment, uh, encouragement, love, uh, heart centered, these are at the very core of the human experience. These are at the very core of like, we are not human beings, then it's not like we're all human, and you can be spiritual. We are mm -hmm. all spiritual have and we're all wearing these meat suits. You know, we're all or we're operating, operating these human puppets, if you will, uh, just to play, to experience. Like I, uh, you know, it's like we're all um, imagine a cell and, you know, cell has all the cilia on it, all the little hairs. Well, each one of us is a cilia. So from our perspective, we seem isolated. We seem different. Maybe one of us seems longer or shorter than the other. But we are all the same thing. We are all expressions of the same thing, experiencing itself for the sake of experience, creation, joy, and growth, and play. And um, and deep down, we know that within ourselves. And I think it's especially disconcerting because, you know, uh, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday, and he talks about COVID, uh, you know, the everything with COVID-19 being, in a way, the great revealer. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was through this last year that so much stuff rose to the surface, um, you know, stuff with uh, the racial injustices, um, things in regards to, you know, all the corruption in politics and um, and, the, and sex trafficking. The list goes on and on and on. And so it really brought to light all of these things. And, and now we're really seeing this massive awakening in human consciousness on a collective and global scale. And people are starting to say, you know what, this old ego based world, this infrastructure that is built on 
um, basically self-depreciation, this doesn't vibe with me. I don't, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel true. And I think that's really what we're seeing is, is a shift from what looks good to what feels true. Uh, you know, we've been so used to living in a world of it's all about what looks good, you know, like, oh, as long as, you know, all the makeup and, you know, even people that take being healthy to uh, like, I uh, basically like taking working out to an unhealthy standard of like, mm -hmm. because it's all driven out of fear, fear of not being good enough. So I'm going to go yoke myself out to, which I've totally done too. You know, like I've totally been like that self there. That self, yeah, that self-flagellation where you're just like, yeah. I got to stay in shape or I'm not going to be good enough. Yeah. And uh, I think, though, that that mindset and those, especially, you know, with marketing ads and just the way the world has been built, um, those things don't work. They don't make sense anymore. And so what we all really crave is truth. And what is true is connection, love, integrity. Um, you know, the very core of our human experience, um, because it's not like you're walking down the street and you see someone and you just want to be mad at them or, or turn away. Like yeah. that's why smiles are so contagious. You walk by and a kid, a little kid smiles at you and you can't help your heart can't help, but just open and explode with love for this, this child. And you're just mm -hmm. like, Oh, Hey, and then someone else walks by and says, Hey man, how you doing? And you're like, I'm great, man. How are you? We're both just humans floating around on a rock ball in space. This is great. True. <laughs> and it's like, and that's, you know, it's remembering. It's all about remembering. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I awesome is, uh, um, about, which is, uh, you know, I awesome is, I awesome is the bridge. Um, cause this old fear-based world is built on competition mm -hmm. and this new love based new earth is centered in love and cooperation and collaboration is the bridge between, um, between competition and cooperation. And I awesome serves as, um, as that bridge. I love that. I love that thing. I'm going to have to write it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I heard that, that analogy, that way of that, that being spoken, uh, at a summit I spoke at not too, not too long ago, a couple Can you repeat ago. that one more time for the listeners? Yes. Yeah. It's a, so we're, we're moving from a fear-based world into, um, we're moving from a fear-based world that is, uh, centered around and upholds competition and, um, into a love-based new earth that is centered around cooperation and collaboration is the bridge from competition to collaborate or from competition to cooperation. Yeah. If I was in the audience that day, I would just stand up and start clapping. So I would just <laughs> clap for you just right now. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that, that was, you explained it really well. And again, when I look at it, I mean, all of those things that you said uh, make so much sense. But I also think that all of those things I mentioned before, like being safe, having community, having love, having support, also comes from the basic human needs. Like when you look at the work from Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, you'd see, and for the people who are um, not sure what we're talking about, Abraham Maslow was this guy who's dead now, and he created a pyramid that said all human beings have different needs. 
in terms of priorities. So our basic needs are like food to survive basic things like food, water, rest. And then you go up the pyramid and then you have the need to be safe. And then comes the need to be loved. And then comes the need to be, um, you know, having a community and friends. So those are your basic needs. And then your ego steps in. So you want to be accomplished. You want to be proud. You want to get more of those dopamine responses in the brain. And then you look at something called uh, self-actualization. One of the things that Maslow did not write or did not publish before he died was that there is another level after self-actualization, which is called transcendence. And he couldn't complete the work before he died. But some of the people who are researching Maslow are now coming up with this whole new theory of transcendence. And this is where what you just mentioned, Dylan, makes completely sense because you know, we're looking at spirituality, we're looking at connections beyond what you can see or, you know, sometimes even feel. So I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Now, we look at humans, right? And then you have like some people who tell you like, hey, um, I don't need anyone to be around me because I am the captain of my own ship. And again, like you mentioned, these things can be fueled by overconfidence, ego, and then there are people who are always depending on each other. What? So these are two different camps, right? I'm going on the extremes. What camp do you think humans were made to live in? Is it somewhere in the middle? Is it somewhere on the extremes? Um, yeah, you know, I think it is. I think it is the middle. And you know, it's that's why. Uh, and I I love Eastern uh, Eastern philosophy. And uh, a lot of Eastern philosophy, you know, like uh, Taoism and Buddhism, mm -hmm. Hinduism, they talk about, uh, you know, a lot of them that are centered around um, meditation. There's the talk of the middle way. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and it's, you know, or we could even, you know, the yin and the yang. You're walking that middle line of the yin and the yang. You you have one foot in the yin and one in the yang. And, uh, and not necessarily like, you know, the... I, th I feel like instead of it being more of like, oh, man, yeah, I would say it's the middle way and realizing mm -hmm. that you don't, it doesn't have to be either or it's how are, um, cause each situation will call for you to show up differently. There will be times in your life where you will need to be the captain of your own ship and you may need to enjoy some solitude or maybe you need to focus on like, maybe there's something you just need to stick to. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe a boundary gets violated and you have to be like, I'm the captain of my own ship and I'm going to put my foot down. Or it could even be, you know what? I'm a little drained. I'm going to go take my time by myself and recharge. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, there could be times where in the, maybe you have a default of you always want to be alone uh, in order to recharge. Well, maybe now you get in a romantic relationship and you find yourself in a place where you feel like you need to recharge. But now since you're in a relationship, there's a new opportunity that presents itself where how do you recharge your batteries while still being uh, in this space mm -hmm. with your partner? And so that poses a new opportunity of transcendence and of relearning and, um, and expanding yourself. So I feel like it's really, um, yeah, instead of it being one or the other, it's like allowing yourself to expand. And the more you expand, the more you can contain within you. And the more you contain within you, 
the more tools you have uh, for any group or any situation. And you also recognize that all of your emotions and feelings and thoughts all have a place, you know, nothing is missing. And mm -hmm. so uh, there is a, you know, you, your anger serves a place, your compassion serves a place, your sadness and sorrow and grief serve a place, your laughter and joy serve a place. It all has a place, but you have to give it space within you to breathe. Otherwise it's going to get claustrophobic. And that's when you're going to start reacting out of those, uh, you know, perceived negative emotions. Uh, but I think it's more of just the more you love yourself and expand yourself, there's more room within you for more of you to relax. And mm -hmm. then you can choose clearly about, you know, in each circumstance or situation, um, how to properly apply these different facets of yourself. I wish I would have realized this at an earlier age because um, I've always been somewhat of an extremist. So I've always lived on either ends of the extreme. And um, it was my grandmother who first, because grandmoms have the wisdom of the world. She was the first <laughs> one to tell me like, there's always a balance in things and you don't have to go through the extreme. And I was like, boring. That's not how it is. <laughs> Dude, I totally, I totally feel that. That was the story of my life. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah, nah, those are for everyone else. Not for me. Again, some things were fueled by ego. Some things were just wanting to be different, wanted, a, wanted everyone to have a different perception of myself. But then in recent times, one of my other missions have been to find ways with shift with CJ. I'm trying to find ways, talking to people to extend human performance potential and lifespan and it's funny that in my quest to finding these secrets of anti-aging and longevity and immortality and things like that i have found more ways in how one can shorten their lifespan than extending it like for example we know that divorce rates are going crazy high all over the world up till covid and then we see that people who are actually either single or widowed or divorced, they are at a likelihood chance of dying twice as faster than people who are married. And then you keep, you think of humans and then, you know, you have to be together and you keep us aside because we're super complex. And then you see like microorganisms or you see like ants and you'd never see like one or two ants together because they're always living in a community, in a group and they're, exists because they co-depend on each other and when you look at the essence of biology itself like when you look at cells in our body or even like cells in our body might be complex so let's look at cells in a petri dish you would find that cells start dying until and unless they have these neighbor cells which are either loving supporting caring and encouraging them to live so what i'm trying to come at is like i also feel that there should be a balance but as uh, society as all living things the lone wolf mentality like being on the extreme doesn't work and you have to kind of um, depend on others the support from others give support to others it's not only about receiving you have to add more energy in the energetic field like you said your smile your joy all these things play a big role and when you look at like places where people have lived the longest these are called blue zones these are geographical areas around the world where people are sanitarians like they're living above hundreds or super sanitarians and one of the biggest factors that is 
contributing to their longevity is the attention, the commitment, and being more responsible and being a part of a group, a family, and things like that. So I would also say somewhere in the middle is the best. Yeah. But you always no, have to I, have people around you. Yeah. And I love, I love how you uh, referred to, you know, sanitary and, um, and people that live, you know, cause in our wet, in the Western world, people don't think that's, we've been spoon fed that that's not possible when mm-hmm. like back in the day, like people used to live like hundreds, almost even like over a thousand years. Thousands like, years yeah. Yeah. Thousands of years. Like people would mm-hmm. just, you, there was our longevity was so long, but then the powers that be have convinced us otherwise that like we live less than a hundred years and that's normal. And mm-hmm. it's like, what? And it's, oh man, it's just wild. You know, like we, we're all Jedis, but we are, we don't know that we are, you know, we we're all, <clears throat> we're all brilliant masters, but we've been convinced that we're not. And, mm-hmm. um, but we're remembering there's a, there's a massive remembrance occurring and um, yeah, that lone massive wolf awakening. mentality. Yeah, exactly. And that lone wolf mentality is very, it's very dangerous. It can be very deleterious. Um, and it's, it's not, it's certainly not fun. I've, I've mm-hmm. definitely, you know, I, I did that lone wolf thing and it was for, it, it was for healthy reasons when I first got mm-hmm. sober and I really like retreated, you know, I removed myself from the human game, if you will, to um, get in touch with source, get in touch with myself and really reinvent uh, my experience with life. And uh, and it served its purpose. But then, you know, it did get to a point because uh, it was like I isolated myself with getting sober and then COVID hit. So then there was no choice but <laughs> but to Ouch. stay, stay isolated. And uh, but it was it was a beautiful experience, you know, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely that more egoic lone wolf mentality can certainly be deleterious. Um, when we talk about lone wolf, one of the, I mean, one of the things that comes to my mind is loneliness. While mm. you were in COVID or while you were having um, this episode where you were trying to recover and come back and bounce back, did you feel lonely by any chance? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, and it was, and you know, I used to, and I almost for a while I struggled to even allow myself to be lonely uh, because mm-hmm. I didn't think you know it was like oh well I need to be okay with being alone you know it's solitude mm-hmm. I did even tried rebranding it in all of these ways but at the core you know I felt lonely uh, it was very it and it can mm-hmm. be and I think that's a I think that's a a really big obstacle for many people when it comes to um, you know walking you know, being spiritual or even just opening up to that within themselves um, is because, you know, people don't, there's a lot of people that don't understand. There's a lot of people that do make fun. There's a lot of people Mm -hmm. that will judge. And so to choose that path in spite of external circumstantial evidence and in spite of that judgment it takes a lot of fortitude. It takes a lot of commitment. Like you are committed to nothing outside of yourself. You're committed Mm -hmm. to the divinity within you. You're committed to God. You're committed and not committed to God in the sense of, I go to church every Sunday and I pray. And then I, you know, I'm afraid of going to hell. So I make sure I do these things. It's like, 
committed to God in the sense that you see God in everybody else and you see that you are God and everything else is God. That flower is God. It's like that sermon uh, where Buddha held the flower and mm-hmm. with all the high priests. And there was one high priest that understood it because he smiled. Just looking at the flower, he just smiled. He got it. He saw God. He experienced the divine. He di- experienced source. And, and this is coming back to the same thing that everyone in this universe, whether it's um, an animal, a human, anything, is really connected. And your actions, your thoughts, the way you look at things or do things is going to have an impact, whether you know it or not, into yeah. everyone else's and everything else's life. Yeah, even, you know, I was down at the river the other day and... Um, my partner, she was throwing out big rocks out into the mm-hmm. stream and they would just, poof, and you would just see these ripples and they would go mm-hmm. out. But I was like, I picked up a really small pebble and I just threw a really small pebble into a running river. But that little pebble, even though it was much smaller than the rock she was throwing, it still sent out ripples that I could see go mm-hmm. super far. They may have been smaller, but it sent out ripples nonetheless. And that was just a reflection to me of it doesn't matter if it's the smallest thing in the world, if it's a smile, if you just say, hello, um, nice shoes, holding, holding the door open, those tiny mm. little things, those small shifts make, they send out huge ripples. They send out ripples that will touch way more than you're even aware of. And, um, and you know, we all experience source in our own way every day that's what we you know like it's like when you look out your window or maybe you're going for a walk and you see a gaggle of geese flying overhead or you see some ducks in the pond uh you hear the sound of frogs or birds in the trees the wind kind of brushes by and kisses your cheek these are and you know for a moment you just you feel you know you just feel alive like really alive you feel life and we all experience that, um, but we just have different labels for it. But when we get rid of the labels and the dogmatic ter- terminology, it's all the same thing. Have you figured out a way to hack into this entire process? Like what's your way to suddenly experience life at its best? Is it through gratitude? Is it through forgiveness? Is it through something else that you know you're having a bad day and then you want to experience more of life and what life has, or is it a journal? Like, have you found a way to hack it by any chance? Um, you know, there's, <clears throat> I, I am always experimenting with new things, um, things mm-hmm. that have, but I would say in order to transcend what is experiencing or what you're experiencing, gratitude absolutely is a powerful one. Um, where, uh, you know, I got, I, I got sick recently and I don't ever get sick. I never get sick because I always tell myself I never get sick and I take mm-hmm. really good care of myself. So I just, that's not a thing. So I ended up uh, feeling a little under the weather recently and it, you know, it bugged me. Uh, <clears throat> and so I decided to meditate, you know, I was feeling kind of poopy and I sat down and started meditating. And in that meditation, I just started saying thank you. I was just like, wow, thank you, Source, for this opportunity to accept myself, to love myself, to 
and to allow this to be. And the moment I spoke that dialogue and I meant it and I surrendered, I felt every chakra in my system just just open up. It yep felt like a you know the beam pouring out of my head. It was white golden light, and I just it just opened up. And it's not like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm, now I'm all enlightened. And it, I mean, it was an enlightening moment, but it was more just I felt at ease. I felt mm-hmm. peace because I accepted what I was experiencing, and I was grateful for it. I was grateful for the opportunities it presented for me to transcend and grow more aligned with myself. And so gratitude is, you know, it's what brings um, magic into the world. You know, it's uh, the moment that you stop being grateful for life and for everything in your life. um, You know, that's almost where you kind of uh, you resign from happiness in a way you you kind of deny yourself happiness Um, because there's always going to be things in life that you know, we have bad days. Um, another thing that, so I, I'll do, I do like five pages of affirmations every morning and, uh, about 30 minutes. So I set aside, yeah, like I, I set aside 30 minutes and I, I read these affirmations and they are things like, I am free of the fear of rejection. Rejection is a good and necessary thing to achieve success. I act without fear of rejection and I feel energized, strong-minded and confident. So things like that. And I have five pages of these for like everything across the board. There's also, I am consistently in a vibration to attract more of everything that I want. Mm -hmm. Or um, I am asserting the mastery of my real self. So I will say, and I am statements are huge. I actually also, um, another thing, uh, I buy brightly colored index cards there. You can't see mm-hmm. them because they're all over this part of my room. And I write okay. affirmations and I post them sneakily around my house. Um, and uh, not always sneakily. These are very loud, but, <laughs> and, uh, but those are huge. Those are great reminders as well. Um, and some other hacks for, for changing your altering your state of being in a moment's notice um, language mm-hmm. is pay. Is, I would say, and and you can start to develop your awareness about this through journaling, and really just pay attention to the language that you use with yourself. You know, like when you describe your emotions, what are you saying? Are you saying, "I'm fucking pissed off"? Because then, when you say that, "I'm fucking pissed off," take a moment and notice what is going on inside of you. I guarantee you that does not feel good when you say that. But if you go, man, I'm just peeved. I'm just so I'm, I'm just a little peeved off that right there. It <laughs> breaks your emotional pattern. Um, or I'm like, man, I'm just tickled. I'm just tickled stinky right now. And you say mm-hmm. something stupid and silly. You can't, you're not going to be as mad as if you're like, I'm fucking pissed. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can also interrupt your emotional patterns with different use of language. And, um, and that's also, you know, called reframing, which you can do that with any one of your experiences where you change the way you perceive something and it changes your experience with it. Um, and you're not diminishing the experience. You're not, uh, bypassing the experience. 
you're just reframing it in a way that is more about um, gain than loss. You know, you can turn any loss into a gain. It's just how you perceive it. Um, yeah, those are That's, those are a few hacks. Those those are pretty solid. And for everyone who's listening, and you guys are not driving, take some notes. Um, there's a woman by the name of Lisa Wimberger, and she um, has written about seven to eight books on neuroscience and owns a Neurosculpting Institute. She was on the show a few weeks ago. And one of the things that she also mentioned was the use of language and the kind of language that you use for yourself or for others around you is constantly, your brain basically is constantly um, firing these neurons in a very specific manner. And if you constantly use the same language, which is disempowering or for the lack of a better word, not good enough, then chances are your neurons will wire and fire so fast that it'll be very hard for you to get off that emotion. But if you change or you break that language pattern with something more empowering, something more positive, something which makes you believe in yourself or others around you or gives you a sense of hope or faith in the world, that by itself changes your brain chemistry and neurochemistry. And now you start seeing better things in the world. When you mentioned gratitude, one um, hack that I like to do every time I'm stressed, doesn't matter. And this is free for everyone who's listening. Um, play a gratitude game with yourself. So what I do is I'll just roughly in my mind time three to five minutes and everything that I see, whether I'm in a train, whether I'm driving, whether I'm in a mall, I'd look at anything that my eyes set on and then appreciate one good thing about it. So let's take for an example, if I'm at the mall and if I see the escalator and then I would just tell myself that I'm really grateful that we've gone as humans, our technology has expanded so much. And now we are able to build all these complex machinery, which help us carrying like heavier bags. And for my, like probably my grandmom or my mother is really good because it eases them to go up. And then you go on top of the escalator and you see like a supermarket and then you appreciate something about the supermarket. Like I'm so grateful that I can get access to fresh food and groceries around me. And this just takes you three to five minutes. But what happens in the end of this game is that you turn that moment around and you jump from one positive and grateful thought to the other, to the other. And now your brain starts playing this automatic game in front of you that everything that you look on, even if it's your situation, you'll start, appreciating something about it so try that one for you guys who are listening i love that dude that is that is awesome like and that's a that's a really powerful thing <clears throat> is uh you know i also i'll do that because that's a with manifestation uh law of attraction gratitude is also the key uh mm -hmm. you know in order to attract more of what you want you have to be grateful for what you have uh, because you attract what you are, not what you want. So that mm -hmm. means in order to receive what you want, you have to be vibrationally on the level of exactly what you want. And, um, and so with that, you know, with that, you know, saying I am wealth, uh, mm -hmm. well then what is that to be wealth? Well now, I, but so in order to be wealth, I have to believe that I say, when I say I am wealth in the now, I have to believe that. Well, how do you believe that when your subconscious might be firing off? Be grateful for the things you have. Look around you. Be like, wow, 
I am wealth. I'm so grateful for all this abundance, for all these reminders of my wealth. And then the more that, you know, that's like my chapter I mentioned earlier is being is the mm -hmm. nature of becoming. There is no outside you. Everything, mm -hmm. and there is no future self. There is no past self. Everything exists in the now. So whoever, the person that you place outside of yourself in the future, like one day, you know, that's the man I want to be or the woman I want to be. No, that person isn't, who you want to be isn't 10 years from now. It's mm -hmm. available to you right now. So in order to become it, you be it now. So, you know, if you wanted to be a millionaire, well, what does a millionaire sleep like? What does a millionaire eat like? What kind of clothes does a millionaire wear? How, how, what is a, how many hours a night does a millionaire sleep? What is the state of a millionaire's bed? What is the state of a millionaire's kitchen? What kind of silverware does a millionaire use? What kind of car does a millionaire drive? How does a millionaire spend or invest their money? How do they not spend or invest their money? And the moment, and as you start being this, then vibrationally, the universe just starts giving you what you are because mm -hmm. it's not about what you want. It's about what you are. And gratitude is a wonderful way to remind yourself of what you are and be grateful for what you are and bring yourself back up into that high vibrational state when you, when you falter. I, I love that. I love that you're talking about um, frequency and vibration because um, I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast for everyone who's listening. Everything that you can see and probably things that you cannot see right now is vibrating, right? You can't see them, but they're vibrating at a frequency. They're vibrating at, um, you know, it has a big vibration to it. And then like Dylan just mentioned, when you are, let's say, thinking of becoming a millionaire and doing all those things, or when you are looking for a partner and like at the dinner table, you just... Uh, you know, put an extra plate and just imagine yourself of sitting and dining with your future uh, partner. And how would that be? You're, you start, you're, you have a very big change in your vibrational shift. And as you start vibrating to these higher frequencies, anything with a similar frequency, like a, a potential partner, a million dollars or whatever, start vibrating at a frequency and they, you guys come closer together in proximity. And, um, this is the genius way of the universe self-organizing itself. Uh, and yeah, this is just beautiful. Uh, so yeah. thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And, and Dylan has been an amazing time talking to you. I think we could just go on for hours and hours talking about so many I things. Know, I can't, I can't believe it. The time's already up. <laughs> yeah. And um, so before we leave, Tell us, if you look back, I mean, you're pretty young, but if you had to go back in the past, let's say you had this magical ability to go back in the past and give your younger self a piece of advice or two pieces of advice or how many ever you want, what would that be? Oh, that's a fantastic Knowing question. all that you know right now. Um, I would say... There is nothing wrong with you and you, you are worth it. Mm -hmm. And Beautiful. Um, it's probably what I would say, because those were definitely, those are the things that I, you know, really um, struggled with, you know, as a kid was not feeling I was worthy of love, really just worthy of, of anything good. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, like you are perfect as you are like just be you 
It's probably what I would what I would tell myself, uh, my little teenage self. Mm-hmm. And that is super powerful. Like the if you could, I think I saw a TED talk a couple of years ago. I'm not too sure if it was Marissa Pierce, but basically she asked everyone or her clients to go in front of a mirror. And this is probably the mirror that you use the most amount of time during the day and write on it in any shape or form that I am enough. And every time you look at yourself, keep reminding yourself of this positive affirmation that you are enough, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on right now or what's going on in the future, you should know that however you are, broken, unbroken, uh, happy, excited, curious, confused, you are more than enough to operate in that situation. And just by knowing that, just by reiterating all those things, just by having those neurons fire and wire in your brain, you're going to technically just resolve any situation that comes in your life and be able to be more present into it. Because in the back of your mind, hopefully you do it enough times that it enters your subconscious, you would know that, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm enough. There can be, I'm not going to give up on this. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to move or, you know, get scared or just make a loud noise because I know I'm capable of dealing with it. So thank you for sharing that. That is a powerful message for everyone. And Dylan, if people want to find you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Is it through the website? Are you um, on um, Instagram? What's going on? Yeah, so I'm uh, at iAwesome. I mean, so if you enroll at iAwesome, I-A-U-S-M.com, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you will see me in there. Um, you can also email me at Dylan at iAwesome.com uh, for more information on the Authentic Brotherhood. The Authentic Brotherhood is on Facebook. There's a page and there's also a private group. Um, but we do, we do all the events on iAwesome in our free events. Um, and actually if you on Facebook, if you do at authentic masculine, that will take you to the authentic brotherhood page. And, um, on Instagram, I have, uh, if you do a lover underscore official music, uh, lover is my moniker for my artist, my Mm -hmm. artistry. And, uh, so lover underscore official music, uh, and that is my music Instagram and you can, uh, follow me on there. I'm just going to do that right now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a spot. It's lover with a period at the end, but they okay, so lover with a period and then authentic. I, I think it lover. Well, lover with a period is how you'll find me on Spotify, but for okay. Instagram, I believe it's just lover underscore official music. Lover underscore official. Got it. You'll, yep, you'll see me in the leopard print coat or cheetah print coat. So love your hairstyle, dude. Love it. Thanks, man. All right, this has been amazing. I've had a great time talking to you, and I really appreciate all the good work that you are doing through all through your life experiences, through the things that you're supporting, through the things that you're putting out, and through your music. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, CJ. This has been an absolute pleasure. 
And this is me, CJ, signing off from Shift with CJ podcast. You guys have an energetic day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime ahead of you. Take care now.